a Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. All right, you sinners, swing! Welcome to an exciting addition to the Tricky Kid Radio Podcast Network, hosted by filmmaker and DJ Yui Turner. celebrating the 40th anniversary of one of the biggest gatherings of rock ever 40 years ago the us festival over memorial day weekend 1983 we're going to be hearing from the late great manager noel monk legendary photographer mark wise guy weiss and now derek van halen from the world's greatest tribute to van halen coming in to us from pasadena the, the the birthplace of Van Halen. Derek, how the hell are you, sir? I am doing amazing. Good to be here. How old were you in 1983? I was 19. Had you ever seen Van Halen before the US Festival? Absolutely. I had been going to concerts starting at 13 because I have an older brother. My first concert was Kiss Destroyer Tour. How was that? Wow. So by the time I was 19, I was a seasoned concert goer. When was the first time you saw Van Halen? 79 at the Los Angeles Forum, called the Fabulous Forum at the time, the Van Halen 2 Tour. Okay. We had probably one of the worst seats in the Forum, but it didn't matter to me. I was in the same room as Eddie Van Halen that I couldn't have been more excited. Van Halen was in their prime. During 83, when the US Festival was their height, the 84 album came out and took them even higher. It's unbelievable to, to think that was 40 years ago. I was only nine in 1983. I was aware of who Van Halen was, and I really became aware a year later in 1984 was inescapable. Jump was every third video. I had an older sister, and her boyfriend took me to my first concert three years from 83, and it was the Eatem and Smile Tour, the David Lee Roth solo thing. I didn't actually see the footage or was even aware of what the US Festival was until probably well into my 20s. Walk me through driving out to San Bernardino, fighting that crowd and being there. I went with two of my high school friends and we decided we were gonna go the night before. We just wanted to experience the whole thing. A bygone era. The party was happening in the parking lot a half a million people, the biggest party of the year. I was into the other bands as well. Certainly mm-hmm. Judas Priest and Ozzy Osbourne, Motley Crue. I'd seen Motley Crue in the clubs. This was their big coming out. Shout the Devil album hadn't come out yet. And they played Shout the Devil for the first time to an audience. Your guitar teacher knew Eddie. Yeah, I have a picture of him and Eddie together. Did you ever get to meet Eddie? Not a one-on-one, Nam. <laughs> I asked him a question. That was the only interaction. (laughs) (laughs) We had Mark Stone, their original bass player, perform with Van Halen. Eddie did say to Mark, we like the name of the band and we could keep that. He looked at a picture Mark sent him. He said, who's that Eddie guy? He looks more like me than me. So that was a pretty interesting comment. I got to get a message to Alex when Eddie died and, and got a response from that. They were certainly aware of the band. 
That's incredible. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that on Saturday. Where did you spend the night? In the car. It was a Datsun, a Datsun B210. <laughs> and just put the, the seat back and went to sleep. Next morning, it's heavy metal Sunday. When we woke up that morning, most of the people decided to storm the gates. It's in a city called Devor, and it's uh, Glen Helen Regional Park, the amphitheater. But uh, then it was just this huge open field. We had a strategy. I knew there's no way I'm going up front all day. It was very hot that weekend. Strategically, a partitioned walkway in the middle of the crowd. We situate ourselves right in the center so that could be nobody in front of us. When Van Halen goes, that's when we make our move. It's 100 degrees outside. Where are people eating? Where are people drinking? Steve Wozniak put the thing on. So there was also this technology aspect to it, too, showing Apple computers. They did have water stands on certainly places to, to, to buy things to eat. What was the Apple computer presence like at the festival? I, had, I didn't see any of it. I know it was there because I've seen videos of it. I had zero interest at the time. I've been in IT all my life. What was was the response to Motley? It looked amazing. What was the margin between the last time you saw Motley until this? Probably less than a year. I was a big Motley Crue fan. I used to see them at the whiskey. So you're hearing Shout for the first time. Which is, uh, yeah, that's right. My guitar teacher took me to go see Stormer, a guy named Jimmy Bates, one of the top guitar players in LA at the time. And London was headlining. This guy playing bass with this jet black hair, wearing stiletto heels, and he was throwing drinks on people. So seeing Motley Crue on the big stage, I felt proud. Quiet Riot was number one for me that summer of 83. I only had access to what MTV was, was, was delivering to me. And right. I can't really claim I really knew a lot about Van Halen. A huge Aussie fan, Jakey Lee, was a phenomenal guitar player. Uh, they did a great job. Then Judas Priest, a phenomenal voice. Then it was Triumph and Scorpions. Klaus Main's voice was just ridiculous. Who got the biggest reaction of the day, would you say, before Van Halen came on? The Scorpions, just because they are so energetic. They're a tough act to follow, for sure. What was the anticipation like? is early as 9 a.m. on that yeah. Sunday for Van Halen. By the time Van Halen goes on stage, we've been beaten down by the sun, the heat, and exhaustion. A lot of people, thankfully, left before Van Halen or during Van Halen, allowing me to get a better perspective. I had that anticipation. I don't sense that the crowd did. The crowd was tired, wanting to get the hell out of there. It's important to know Van Halen was not on tour and not in touring shape, in all fairness. Yeah. Dave went down to the Amazon with his crew and friends, yep. offered, an un, at the time, an unprecedented amount of money, more than anybody right. ever did paid, thanks to Noel, who had a favorite yep. nations. They were rehearsed. So they did have to bring things together and go into a uh, rehearsal space and get ready for the S Festival. It wasn't like Dave came in from the Amazon with his full beard and just jump on stage. Ben, the mighty Van Halen. And here comes Romeo Delight. Walk me through yep. it. There's a lot of negative uh, responses. Dave was obliterated. Did he party? Of course he was partying. I think they were amazing.
that as of right now, this time tonight, more people have been arrested today than the entire weekend last year, man. You a rowdy bunch of motherfuckers. Mark Goodman says, Dave, how did you get yourself in such a, such a, a state? He was drinking. He could have been doing all sorts of stuff. He was just rough to me. Eddie can outplay anybody at drunk because he's an alien. Nobody can touch him. They were always loose. It was a party. It wasn't about a perfect performance. Yeah, I, me, I, I they, love that because you can't have a conversation about Van Halen and the Us Festival without it being, oh, fuck. You're somebody that was actually there. Instead of this being like this blemish on their career, was there anything at this show that was different? I felt like this is a celebration. Dave was looser than other shows that they're playing parts of things that would become songs on 1984, Girl Gone Bad. What was the closest you got to the stage? 20 yards, pretty damn close. And of course, a fan famously is squirting him with water and he retorts with the most golden line of all time. Can you hear me? Don't be squirting water at me. I'm gonna fuck your girlfriend, pal. I'd heard it many times already because this so, was this shtick. It was all planned. We just got a, a, the biggest gift a Van Halen fan could ever get, which is the Donington 84 show. Uh, and he says it there. He's not drunk. He says it at every show. You, you get like a comedian on tour, and I know all the punchlines. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Tricky Kid Radio. While we take a short break, let me assure you this isn't an ad you can afford to skip. Simply be entranced by my voice so you can hear from these great sponsors. Lots of opportunities to see Van Halen yes, coming up. Yes, the bandsintown.com forward slash Van Halen. It typically has most of our schedule up there. We've got a lot of different things brewing. I've seen it many times, and I knew after the first time I was never going to miss it again. It's always great when we go into Dallas and get to see your smiling face and how you supported us every time we come into town. So I really appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. And that will continue for as long as you guys do it. And now, back with more Tricky Kid Radio. The US Festival, you were there and in the mix. I was already working with Van Halen. Talk to me about that. One of the biggest gigs they ever did. David Lee Roth feeds off of an audience. And when he sees 300,000 people in his backyard, he's the king. And when David talks, I always find it really amusing. This is the time of the evening when the band gets to have a drink. Everybody having a good time so far right here. This is real whiskey here. 
The only people who put iced tea in Jack Daniels bottles is the Clash, baby! gets himself in a lot of trouble sometimes it was his party that night and he did whatever he wanted eddie must have been cringing i want to know what it was like for you to walk in and you see a half a million people sharon and ozzy flew me over there so i was there to focus on what they were doing and i got there early because i wanted to catch everything and stay as long as i could did you actually infiltrate the van halen camp during the us festival weekend you were the very first to give Motley exposure. They were playing in front of 200 people in Hollywood, and now they're playing in front of half the people before Shadow of the Devil even comes out. Joining us for the show is legendary manager Noel Monk for the Mighty Van Halen from 1978 to 1985, who's written a book called Running with the Devil, a backstage pass to the wild times, loud rock, and the down and dirty truth behind the making of Van Halen. Noel. We are so happy to have you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I wrote it to show what backstage is like, what it's like getting ready for a show. Yeah. Uh, the one thing about Van Halen, uh, regardless of what went on backstage, they never messed up on stage, um, except the US Festival. And you pay us too much money and we'll screw up. In the book, you said that you had never seen anything like Van Halen. That's absolutely true. That first record was wall-to-wall hits. And it still holds up. Being with them 24-7, listening to them on the radio, it would jazz me up. What a great time we had. All these years later, so much about Van Halen, people do not know Van Halen to be the most undocumented band in history. We like mystery. You know, when... Right. Uh, brown M&Ms. There was no mystery. We were getting a problem with the promoters want reading a writer. If there were any brown M&M's, they got charged $100 an M&M. So they had to read the contract. Ironically, we changed that to Coney Island Whitefish. (laughs) On a Sunday morning, laying on the beach, up floats a dozen used Condoms. (laughs) Condoms. <laughs> That's the Coney Island Whitefish. We would have fun and kept it all behind the scenes. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. You know me as Veronica from Clerks, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. We've heard about a million times with David Lee Roth, with the backstage passes where he would write a crew member's name on it, and if the girl he wound up with road crew's name on her backstage pass, he would pay them a hundred bucks. Yeah, David would talk to Eddie Anderson 
in-between numbers is a girl out there, and he said it was number or letters, so Eddie could go out and find the girl. When you guys made it to the US Festival, what condition he was in? A lot of things happened there. David was in one of the trailers, and I had one of my guys watch him because David was a little nervous. A little nervous turned into a lot of alcohol. Ten minutes before the show, he looked at me, and he was not ready to go. He was having trouble standing up. And <laughs> they were a band that no matter what condition they were in, he'd go on and put a brilliant show on. I loved when we did outdoor shows. We did the Texas Jam. I'm sitting next to all the us festival people, and they paid us a million five, and David couldn't jump. He couldn't do much more than run up the stage and threw the whole show off. And we were obligated to give them three songs. David jumps. And they called me up about a week later, and they said, we can't find David jumps anywhere in the show. I said, well, I'm real sorry. That's about all I can do is give you what I got. And it was a big party afterwards. I didn't feel like going. My band had just gotten a million and a half dollars and did a shitty show. <laughs> they always did a brilliant show. I can't pick one where they messed up, regardless of what they took. In seven years, they did one bad show. Right. Happened to be the biggest shows. That's why I was so disappointed. Our fans couldn't give a crap about <laughs> a bad show. They thought it was great. Most people didn't notice. And if they did, they didn't care. Our fans loved Van Halen. Right. Good, bad, or indifferent. It never affected the band or the, or the fans. David wanted to be a superstar. He never went away from that and became a superstar. After Dave went away, how radically uh, Van Halen changed. They didn't change. They ended. That right, was they the ended. end of That's Van right. Halen. There was no Van Halen after 85. I agree. Pleasure being able to speak with you today. It's my pleasure. You asked me some very interesting questions. I like those questions. I like you. I like your interviewing style. Thank you, Noel. And I'm your host, Roy Turner. Thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller, theme music by The Buck Pets, original score by Jocelyn Hunt, artwork by Antora Sandy, marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here, plus exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle, at TrickyKid2. Type TrickyKid Radio Podcast on Facebook and DJ TrickyKid on Instagram. 
Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ Tricky Kid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single screen so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week.